میده Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlo and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond the III, better known as RP3. Of course, I'm joined here inside the studios by Dawson Iserlo, the producer, soon to be extraordinaire. Tremendous show lined up for you today. So much to get to because it was one of the busiest weekends that we have. It's crossover season, and we're going to try to get to everything. Baseball, softball, basketball. Could maybe get to a little field hockey, lacrosse. We may do a deep dive on what Dawson did this past weekend with his lady friend. Whatever. We're going to tackle it all. He's, he's giving me a look. He's No, there'll be none of that. Well, what I did was work, actually. <laughs> I, know, was I know. You and... requested. You requested. No, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to give my man. I was like, look, I just need you to help out with baseball on Saturday. I'll take care of basketball on Friday. And then he comes to me like it was last Tuesday. And you're like, boss man, any possible way that you have me not work during the middle of the week because my lady's going to be in. And I will volunteer to work both Friday and Saturday. I go, are you volunteering to work the weekend, both Friday and Saturday? And you're like, yes. And I was like, all right. You know, the other funny thing is that, <laughs> like yesterday, for instance, um, I had, you know, I had, I had, look, I had the laptop out. I had the notepad out, you know, for some segments, just some notes and to keep track, of course, have the two-minute drill and stuff. Of course. But my dad and my sister was in town, and they were working on a car and stuff. And, you know, I, I felt like they might ask for help. But I had a plan. I was going to be like, look, I'm at work. You know, even though my feet are up and I'm watching, you know, sporting events, I've got the notepad out. I'm, I'm working. It's, 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 not a, it's not just a regular off Sunday for me. i got to be ready to go tomorrow, 6 o'clock. Got to go. Got to do show prep. Man's dedicated. So we'll get to everything. We got a good lineup of guests as well. For you on today's show, Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network, co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. He was actually with the LSU baseball team. He was calling their games this past weekend over at the Round Rock Classic. He'll join us to talk all things LSU. Danny Broussard, the STM coaching legend, a man with more than a thousand wins and more state championships than I have fingers for, really. Will be joining us as well to talk about his team seeding and the playoffs. And then Noah Frary from the Frary and Smith podcast covers the Sunbelt Conference. Was going to help us give a preview on the Sunbelt basketball tournament, both men and women, which of course tips off this week in Pensacola. So plenty to get to. Where do we start? I don't know. Whew. Let's just start, I guess, from the top here. Raging Cajun baseball team. We talked about winning the series being key, Dawson. They took their opening series two out of three on the road against Rice. 
BYU was a good team. We already know that BYU is pretty good. They have a couple of pretty good arms. They took two of four from Louisiana Tech to open up the season. So this is not a program that is a slouch by any stretch of the imagination. And the Cajuns won multiple ways in this series as they take the complete sweep over the Cougars. First four-game sweep for the Louisiana Raging Cajun baseball program since February of 1996 when they did so against Prairie View A&M. So it's been a minute. February 1996, what was I doing? I was preparing to graduate from high school. So that tells you how long ago that was. And they won in a multitude of different ways, Dawson. They won some close games. They gutted some of them out. And others, they just simply mollywopped the Cougars. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was an impressive four game series, and that's kind of you know we'll get to our poll question in a bit, but that's kind of where we came up with it from because I haven't you know I don't remember a team specifically in my time. Of course, you know every time we talk about UL, I you know look I have some knowledge of the history, but of course I began following it closely in 2017, which was my freshman year. Um, this is certainly the first time I've seen a team this far along in their progression this early in the season. Um, this feels like a team. And I've, I've kind of mentioned this before. It's not you'd like it to be every you know every college team you follow that they pick up with the momentum that they left off with the year before. You'd like that to be how it works, but it's not how it works because you always have guys coming in and out, and you have a huge layoff. And especially a sport like baseball, you know, it, it's a rhythm-based game where oh, yeah. when you haven't been getting at bats and seeing live pitching, it takes a while to get back into it. This team feels like a team that just got off the regional field at Texas A&M two weeks ago. Like, it feels like they picked up where they left off. They really did feel like they picked. And and Deggs mentioned that, right, during the preseason press conference where it was like, we have all these guys back and I'm challenging them to keep it going. And it feels like this team just simply picked up where they left off. And so many times that's not the case. So many times there's like a month to the season, especially with baseball, where you're just like, okay, you keep waiting for the team to kind of turn a corner or to find their identity, if you will. I don't think this team has any problems having found its identity. I, I think they've figured it out. I think they've found their identity in a big way. And at the same time, we think BYU's pretty good, but you do you never know. You, you never know. This is too early to kind of make a decision on them. Um, that's, that's fair. So hopefully that team, you know, hopefully BYU ends up being a pretty good team that can not only, you know, prove to have been a, a nice weekend for the Cajuns or week, really, um, into the weekend, as well as hopefully an RPI booster down the stretch. But this weekend you really find some things out. And I think this one is a – I'm much more confident that Campbell's going to be a really good team. Campbell was a regional team last year. They were, they were able to score a ton of runs. The Fighting Camels. Oh yeah, and oh yeah, I've got a, I've got a buddy who went to Campbell for undergrad, so shout out to him. But oh, this man knows people that went to Campbell. Yeah, so that that's a you know when I found out they were the Campbell Camels, I thought that was hilarious. But here's the thing, they just swept Butler in a three game set. They scored uh, 44 runs in three games, and they are six and one. They have a win over number 11 East Carolina in a midweek series as well. So they have a two. They took two out of three from Rutgers, you know, a Power Five opponent who is expected to be at least competitive in the Big Ten. Swept a Butler team and then beat East Carolina, who's a top 15 program in the midweek. So, so no slouch. Yeah, and you're getting a team that can score a ton of runs that's going to come in to the Teague this weekend. 
you'll get to see it with your pitching staff especially, you know, and, and look, Campbell's been a team pitching-wise has been up and down for them, so Cajuns should be able to score some runs, but we'll find out just how deep this pitching staff is and, and you know, again, it's not like they're in full swing yet, but the third weekend of the season, you're going to start to see some guys go deeper into games. Um, I, th- I think Jake Hammond so far looks every part of a Friday night starter, which is what I was really hoping he would be. So far, so good. On that note, you know, look, Jackson Neza has struggled, so I'd expect to see somebody different in the Sunday role this weekend. Maybe it's Brendan Moody. Maybe it's Tommy Ray. Um, But either way, this Cajun pitching staff has shown some promise, and they're going to get a chance against one of the better offenses in the country this weekend, so I'm excited to see. Cajun softball program, we talked about they just needed to get a split with the LSU crossover. You'd like him to win both games, but really the goal was for them to get a split. They took both of their games against Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the LSU crossover. They beat LSU on Saturday in Baton Rouge, and then the Tigers returned the favor Sunday here at Lampson Park. So they get the split. That's all they really kind of needed. There are some early in this season there's been some in-game decisions by Coach Glasgow that, that makes you pause for a second. And you go, hmm, eh. still early in the year, still trying to find themselves. Getting the split over LSU is a step in the right direction. Once again, you pick up a win against uh, number 25-ranked UCF. Then you get a split, which is a, a split over a ranked opponent in LSU. So, you're headed in the right direction. Um, you face Ole Miss tonight at Lampson Park. Ole Miss started off a little slow, but they notched two wins over McNeese at the Cowgirl Classic number two over the weekend. So we'll see. It's still early. They're still trying to work out things. It feels like to me that the baseball program is a little further along than the softball program for the Cajuns. Just a little bit. I know it's early, but it just kind of feels that way to me. I could agree with that. I think the softball team, though, arguably would have the higher ceiling. And when they get things put together, if they're able to, which I think they will, I saw some things I really liked, then I think they have the ability to be the better team in the end. But, yeah, Ole Miss, this is an interesting one. Again, we talked about the weekend. The Cajuns did everything they had to do, and if they won tonight, which I think they – I wouldn't say they need to, but you'd really like to. This is you'd not, like to, right. This isn't the traditional Ole Miss team. You know, we've had – the Cajuns have gone to Oxford for regionals in the past, so Ole Miss has been a hosting team. They're a really good program. They're not that team this year. They're kind of in a little bit of a transition year. Now, that being said, they did have an impressive series over with the, uh, the Cowgirl Classic over in Lake Charles, they beat McNeese a couple of times and beat them pretty good, 8-2 and 7-2. Yeah. They started that tournament off with a surprising loss to Stephen F. Austin in the first game, and that was actually, that loss was their third in a row and had put their record at just 6-5, and five, and it really felt like, okay, maybe this team's not, not very really good. where we thought. But then they win three games, kind of dominate the rest of that weekend and kind of say, hey, we're still here. So uh, that's another one when you're playing an SEC team because of how good the SEC is. Ole Miss's RPI is going to help you no matter what. So this is still a pretty important one. And if you get a win tonight, it'd be a great bounce-back weekend overall. I'm going to count this as part of the weekend with the uh, Just LSU like we games. did with UCF at the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational, even though it wasn't part of that. Softball gets a split. The men, Bob Marlin's team, they take down South Alabama 74-64. I-, I liked how they closed out that game. I liked that they came out 
focused and played a one of their better second halves of basketball against the hottest team in the conference. I loved all of that and completed the first undefeated home season in the Cajun Dome era. Also wrapped up the number two seed for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They'll get the double bye. They'll play at 7.30 on Saturday night against the winner of the matchup between Georgia Southern and ULM. The bracket actually gives them a bit of a break there in the first round. We were we were worried about their first game for the while because we thought, well, maybe it may be Troy. Ends up, they get a break there. They would more than likely have to face Marshall in the semis. But once you get to the semifinals, you're going to be facing off against really good opponents. So I, you and I talked about it before we went on the air. Yeah, you may prefer to have them on the other side of the bracket, but they match up really well with Marshall. They've already beaten Marshall. I I like their I like their chances being on that side of the bracket. Yeah, so uh, the game on Friday night I thought was great, and you mentioned it. The biggest thing for me to take away, second half, they dominate the second half. I wouldn't say dominate, but they, they play a very solid second half. They played a very good second They're, half of what, basketball. plus 11 for the second half yes. because they were down one at halftime, which you know I, it's kind of hard to remember that they were actually trailing that game because of how well they played in the second half. That was big for me, and the great thing is they didn't. They shot the basketball horribly. They didn't get a good game from Greg Williams. Me and you know, me and Foot were at the game, and we were talking like this is a weird game. Jordan Brown's playing great, but you know, Greg Williams hasn't done anything. Kentrell hasn't done anything, and yet they were able to grind out a win. So that was big. We'll talk plenty about the Sun Belt tournament bracket this week. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. I love the Sun Belt conference tournament along with all the conference tournaments. A little bit of an interesting matchup that we'll preview or kind of take a look at the bracket. Southern Miss has South Alabama on their side. That would be their projected second-round matchup again. And they got, the Jaguars and they lost beat by them like by 40 a couple 40 weeks ago. a couple weeks so. ago. So if you're Southern Miss, you're not thrilled by how the bracket worked out. Uh, quickly, before we hit the timeout, and we'll wrap up our, our Cajuns segment here with what happened over the weekend, and then we'll tackle LSU. The Cajun women, look, it, it was another tough break for them heartbreaker if you will losing the regular season finale 69 to 64 to Southern Miss it didn't matter the the outcome had no impact on the Raging Cajuns on where they were they were going to be slotted as the number seven seed no matter what they have to play Wednesday night they're going to face App State that'll be a 730 there at the Pensacola Civic Center on Wednesday night so they have to play early I just for Gary's team they're entering the conference tournament on a three-game losing skid. Now, that means teams could, you know, look past them and say, well, they really don't have a chance. Their brand of basketball does kind of lend itself to a tournament platform because you're facing off against the teams and you're forcing them to slow down. You're grinding it out. So that could work. And his teams always usually do a nice job at the conference tournament. They usually win a game or two. It's just, you you hate it for him to have to go in there riding a three-game losing skid when just two weeks ago it looked like they could be a top-four seed for the conference tournament. Instead, they end up being the seventh seed. Yeah, it was tough. And, I look, I love, I need to be as positive as Gary Broadhead is because, I mean, in that press conference, as tough a loss that was and as tough an ending of the season, I mean, he he sounded pretty confident about their their chances going to Pensacola. He felt like they played well, and I thought they did too. Look, Southern Miss hit a hit a bank in fadeaway three with about a minute and a half left to tie the game up, and 
then did do more in overtime. They did more in overtime than the Cajuns yep. did, but they, they did play well. Southern Miss is a team that's you know in the top half of the league and and in you know going to be one of those teams in the tournament that everyone has to watch out for. So it's not you know a bad loss by any stretch, but it is tough to go into that conference tournament losing. But like he said, and and it's going to be a theme. We're going to hear it in any probably any audio clip we hear from coaches this week. It's a fresh start when you go to the conference tournament. So that's what they'll have to look forward for. Always. Plenty of stuff we had to tackle there for the Raging Cajuns. Once again, our poll question of the day. What impressed you the most about the Cajuns' four-game sweep of BYU on the baseball diamond this past weekend? Was it the starting pitching? Was it the timely hitting? Was it the ability to be able to close out games? Or was it other? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and we will update it throughout today's show. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, it was a busy weekend for LSU as well. Men and women's basketball, baseball, softball, we'll get to it all. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It was a busy weekend for the Raging Cajun Athletics as both baseball, softball, and women's and men's basketball were all in action. It was just as busy for the LSU Tigers as well. The men's basketball team, we talked a little bit about this, and we kind of were like, ah! You know, they get the emotional win. They finally snap the skid. By beating Vanderbilt, right? 14-game losing skid comes to an end. Good to go. Maybe they can build some momentum. They get to play a terrible Ole Miss team that's battling for them to be the worst team in the SEC. And then Ole Miss says, hold up. Wait. We're going to fire our coach early. And we talked about this on Friday's show, Dawson. It would be an LSU kind of thing the way this season has gone for them to come off the emotional high of finally winning a game for the first time in 2023 to go on the road and lose to a team that just fired its coach. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened as they went into Oxford and they got pushed around and lost 82 to 69. It wasn't even as close as that suggested it was. And the loss dropped them into solo last position in the SEC standings. Woof. Look there. So my big takeaway, we could talk about the deficiencies on the roster, things like that. I mean, I think we've covered enough. We've talked that into the ground. And our guy, Jeff Palermo, will cover that if he wants to when he comes on later in the show. But Begrudgingly, he will, yes. My bigger takeaway here is about interim coaches. I think there's no place in the world I'd rather be less than facing an interim coach. You see it in football all the time. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is because... It's so often that you feel like, uh, you know, especially with college-age kids, that they're going to be, you know, less motivated. 
I don't know why all these coaches are able to do it. I'd love to see a stat. Maybe I should dig that up and kind of find out like interim coaches' records. I think you and I we talked about this last week. You see it way more in football, or at least we talked about it off the air. We see it way more in football because there's more firings during the season. Basketball, it's a little less common to fire your coach before the end of the year, like Ole Miss did here. But I just feel like interim coaches have perfect records their first game of you know starting as an interim coach. I don't know what it is because it makes what happens is that. For the players, sometimes you get rid of the coach that's become white noise, and a different voice helps. Also, it can also be immensely jarring to have the man who recruited you, to have the man who's been your head coach, all of a sudden gone. Like, he's your coach, and an hour later, he's gone. And it kind of makes everyone, kind of refocuses everyone, because they're like, oh man, if he's gone, well, he was my guy. What is that? Was the new guy going to want me? Do, do I have to put tape out there to show that I can prove that I can play here to, to the next coach or maybe for someone else? Like it becomes all hands on deck time for everyone involved. And that's why you always see a better performance usually with the interim coach. Yeah. And I guess the last thing on that I'll say is it probably helps when you get to play the LSU men's basketball team the first game. <laughs> yes. That didn't go well for the LSU men's basketball team as they are now going to more than likely be the 14 seed of 14 teams for the SEC tournament in Nashville at the Bridgestone Arena. The women's basketball team, though, yesterday, they had their hands full for a while against Mississippi State. Credit the Bulldogs for coming in, challenging them. But Angel Reese, by the way, if you haven't heard, she's really good at basketball. She tied Sylvia Fowles' double-double record for a single season with her 27th of the year the Tigers also tied the program record for most wins in a regular season at 27 that of course tied the 2004-2005 team that advanced all the way to the final four Kim Mulkey's team wraps up the season 27 and one they're the two seed for the SEC tournament and they'll head over to Greenville in the Carolinas for the SEC tournament later this week. And, of course, they'll get the buy, the double buy, and everything like that as well. So, as expected, LSU women took care of business, and they move on. And, look, Alexis Morris played well, and they got contributions from other players, which is what you're wanting to see. Yes, Angel got her double-double. Alexis Morris uh, had a good night. But somebody else also stepped up as well. They had other players step up and contribute which is something that this team is going to need if they want to make a deep postseason run. You already heard us talk about the LSU softball team. They split with the Raging Cajuns and the LSU crossover event. They won their two games against Texas A&M Corpus Christi as well. The baseball team started off so well, they came back, beat Kansas State, scored a ton of runs to do so. And then Saturday came and the Iowa Hawkeyes said, everyone said that this wasn't a great group of teams for the round rock classic well guess what we're going to mollywop the number one ranked team in the country yeah they probably heard my disrespectful comments about the (laughs) Iowa baseball program when again i read the baseball almanac graphic incorrectly and i have since apologized to the entire hawkeye fan base and all their former players this is why it's good to have these tournaments early but then they bounced back and took down sam houston state easily dylan cruz is a very very bad man 
go two and one. Look, I understand if you're an LSU fan, you wanted your team to go undefeated, you want a three and zero mark at the Round Rock Classic. It didn't happen. You took two and one, and now you stay in Texas. You don't come back home because you get to play at Texas, a traditional college World Series winning program, one of the other great programs in college baseball. There's USC, there's Cal State Fullerton, there's LSU, there's a few others, Miami. There's like a handful of teams that are your traditional, old school, great baseball programs. Florida State. Florida State being another one. And you get a chance. Now, is this a vintage Texas team? No. It is not. And love Florida State. Lots of trips to the College World Series. Wasn't able to ever get over the hump. I was there for the longtime Skippers' uh, super regional win over LSU, by the way. Um, which LSU fans were like, what happened? I was like, well, he's retiring. They're playing tough. And they won that super regional in Baton Rouge. It gives them another nice little road test, which I like. And I, I like the fact that these co- we're seeing more and more of this with these coaches that are going, okay, we're going to play in these tournaments, and then we're just going to stick around and find somebody else that's a quality opponent for us to play that's nearby before we go back home. Back in the day, you would just go straight home. Now these coaches are like, now let's take advantage of this and LSU Texas. That's going to be great. Of course, that's going to be tomorrow night in Austin. First pitch is going to be set for 630. And you can listen to it, of course, right here on the game. So busy, busy weekend for LSU. Busy, busy weekend for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. We still need votes for our poll question of the day, so make sure to go vote on that. We'll take your phone calls as well. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We'll talk more about the weekend that was coming up. Can we get to some Pelicans? They're flying to start off the second half of the season. They don't have problems at all. Mm-hmm. 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 I was told there's nothing to see here. There was nothing to be worried about. This team's going to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Tenth in the standings this morning, are we? There it is. There it is. We've got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel at the game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, this is the 13th year that I've been here, and we have received a bye and or won a game every year. We've won a game 12 of the 13. We actually lost to this team. Cedric Russell missed a three-point shot to win the game. We lost in Pensacola by one point uh, to South Alabama. But uh, every other year, and we'd gotten a bye for that. But uh, the bye means a lot. I mean, double bye. Let's look at last year. And, and if that doesn't give those middle of the pack teams hope, you know, we knew that we could beat anybody. And 
we beat Texas State in the second game, and everybody was like, golly, you know, eight beat one. I think it's the only time it's happened in a conference tournament history. And then we beat Troy, and, and who finished second, and then get to the championship game. But we had to play three, four games in five days, right? And the fourth game, we were really good for three games. And that fourth game, we just didn't have it. And Georgia State, to their credit, made shots and beat us. So to not play until Saturday is huge. It's a big advantage. Rage Cajun men's basketball coach Bob Marlin talking about the importance of receiving the double bye. And look, I like how the bracket lines up for them. I was worried by how things were so fluid with the seeding process. They got a little help in the week, right, this past week with some other teams and some movement. But when I look at this bracket for the Sunbelt Conference men's tournament, going to be held there at Pensacola at the Civic Center, or hashtag the Pensacola Bay Center. I like their side of the bracket far more than I do the other side. The other side, of course, Southern Miss was your regular season champion. They won the title outright because Marshall stumbled down the stretch. So Southern Miss is your regular season champion. They're the one seed. They have to play the winner of South Alabama and App State. Now, I expect South Alabama to beat App State. If I'm Southern Miss, I'm not thrilled that the team that beat me by 40 just a few weeks ago is going to be possibly my first round opponent. That's a brutal now, 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 it's based on the seeding process, and in South Alabama's the eight seed because they started off the season terrible, but they finished so strong they were one of the hottest teams in the conference that no one wanted to face. And if they get past App State, Southern Miss, they're going to have their hands full. And then if you get past that, you're going to have to face your other part of the bracket: Coastal Arkansas State, your twelve thirteen matchup. Woof. They move on. They'll face Troy. You think Troy should win that game as the five seed. Then it's Troy versus James Madison. That's the 5-4 matchup, and the winner of that game will play Southern Miss. Southern Miss, of the top two seeds, Southern Miss has the more difficult path to get to the championship round on a week from today. The Cajuns... They get the double bye. So they're going to play the winner of the seven seed Georgia Southern versus the eight seed ULM. That's going to be a favorable matchup for the Cajuns. And then more than likely, they'll play Marshall, who's the three seed. Marshall has to play more than likely Old Dominion. What happened in the regular season finale, Dawson, for Marshall? They lost it. That's what happened. To who? Old Dominion. There it is. Now, of the two matchups, the Marshall one is a better matchup for the Cajuns because I just think stylistically and personnel-wise, they match up better against Marshall. It's just one of those things where you have conflicting styles and it favors the Cajuns. Now, Old Dominion, if you remember, the Cajuns lost to them, but that was on the road in the second game of the conference schedule. 
I like the cage of the two. If you're asking me of the two top seats, who do I think has a better chance of reaching to the championship game in Pensacola? I'm firmly in. I'm firmly in the bank. Uh, firmly in the camp of the Raging Cajuns. Of the two, I think they just have a better chance. Now, everyone has to play their best basketball. The Cajun men won't play until 7:30 on Saturday, as they'll take on the winner of ULM and Georgia Southern. You can't screw up. There's not another, you know, there's not a, a a makeup game. There's not a game to get right, so to speak. You're in a conference tournament, so it's win in advance. So they're going to have to play their best basketball, and they're going to have to play second halves like they did against South Alabama all three games. We know this team starts off strong. We know they do. This is what they do. They have had some issues finishing games and not having strong second halves. They did so on Friday night as they wrapped up the regular season and went undefeated at home during the Cajun Dome era. And that gives them a little bit of a boost, and that gives them some momentum heading into Pensacola, and Bob Marlin talked about that after Friday's game. You know what? Well, we, we've really played well. We won 10 in a row and, and then went and played before 8,000 fans against a team that net was much better than ours and we had the lead in the second half. Then, then we go to Troy, a team that's played well late and uh, had just beaten South Alabama on Thursday. They had some confidence. And then we come home and win at Monroe. We go to James Madison in front of 6,000 fans. We played hard, but we made some poor plays, and Jordan fouls out, and we're not able to, to win that game. But their net's better than ours, too. So kind of underdogs in those games, I mean, we. It's hard, and our, some of our hard conference games on, were late on the road. So, uh, But to win at home, I mean, and to run the table, I mean, 23-7 and seven is a pretty good record with the schedule we played. 23-7. and seven. They get the double bye. And look, Old Dominion's going to be a tough game. Marshall's going to be a tough game the second time around. I'm not denying any of that. But I like how the bracket ended up setting up for them. I just do. The way it's set up, Southern Miss has to play the likes of maybe South Alabama, James Madison, and Troy. I think the Cajuns have a better draw. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. So they definitely got the better first-round draw that I was hoping for because, look, of your options, and I said this kind of a, throughout the week last week, that middle-of-the-pack tier that's become very good recently – uh, the hottest teams in that middle tier would have been Troy, Old Dominion, and of course South Alabama, who Correct. was playing out of their minds. And two of those three are on the other side of the bracket. Right, and the one that you're matched up with right away to play in the first round is Georgia Southern, who is not a bad team, and they are capable. Look, we saw what they did in the first half against Louisiana, but they're not playing nearly as well as the other three are, um, except for a couple of games that they won at the end of the season. I, I feel that that's the best possible first game for the Cajuns after we knew which you know, pack of teams was in the middle. Um, something that's interesting to watch out for, and Coach Marlin mentioned it in the postgame presser. He said, "Look, somebody's going to some one of these top four teams going to get clipped in this tournament, and we can't make it can't be us." And he said that, and could the, it be Marshall. It, it certainly could be. It could be any of the four, though. That's the thing yeah. because all four teams are playing really solid opponents. The Sun Belt's tournament bracket format has kind of uh, evolved over the years, and the last two years, though, before this one is when you had a situation where the top four teams got buys that were separate from the rest of the conference. Both of those years, if you go back to 2021, App State upset the one-seed Texas State, if you'll remember, mm-hmm. and went to went on a run and actually won the whole conference tournament. App State did that year. 
And then last year, of course, UL was the team that was upsetting the number one seed, Texas State. So the top seed has lost both of the last two years. It happened to be Texas State both times. But the point there being that one of those teams who's gotten the bye each of the last two times has lost. So Correct. one of those one of those four, you know, the recent history in the Sunbelt Conference, which I think the conference has gotten a lot better. The last time that they had, they, they went to that ladder format the two years prior. One of them was canceled for covid so I don't really count those brackets because those are really heavily, heavily favoring the higher seeds. The last time they had this kind of pretty balanced bracket that still gives an advantage to the top four was the 2018 year where UL was really good and was the one seed overall. Um, and that was the last time we had all top four seeds advance. I think that was a different time in the Sunbelt Conference where the, the power of the conference was really top heavy, where UL, Georgia State, UTA, those teams were a lot better than the rest of the conference. The last few years, you haven't had that, and as history tells us, one of these top four teams is probably going to lose their first game um, and not make the semifinals, so UL has to try to avoid. And of the four, I think UL has by far the best matchup, the best uh, you know, the best situation to play those four. Now, I personally, I disagree with you. I'd have rather played Southern Miss in the second round than Marshall. Why? I know, I think the game that UL lost to Southern Miss was way more of a, you know, to go with foot, a situation game that they lost because of the crowd and of the atmosphere and the energy around being on the road. I like the. I think Marshall has more firepower than Southern Miss. I worry about the two guards, Kerfman and Taylor. Andrew Taylor played really, really poorly in the game against UL. Every other game I've watched him play, he's been outstanding from the outside. And then, of course, they also have a player... But why don't you give credit Kinsey. to the Cajuns for just being a, a... like? I get what you're saying, what he's done against other competition, but... He struggled against the Cajuns. Part of that has to be what they do defensively in, in the personnel matchup. It certainly is, but I think another part of it is, again, it was a great situation for the Cajuns. It was a very you know hostile environment, and you're not going to have that in Pensacola. So it's fine. I think playing Marshall, look, it's I'd actually probably rather have played Marshall or Southern Miss over James Madison just because I, I value, as Bob Marlin being a veteran head coach, I value what he can bring to teams he's seen before. And while the Cajuns, Southern Miss is new to the league as well, you played them last year. So they've played them a couple of times. And again, as we mentioned, even though somehow Southern Miss got immensely better, they still have a lot of the guys from last year's roster. So I think the good news is now Marshall is another newcomer, though. But again, you played them previously as well. For whatever reason, they played some of these teams in non-conference in previous years. You played Southern Miss and Marshall back-to-back. How ironic is that? You played them last year in non-conference, and now they're part of the conference. But I think, yeah, the path is favorable. You just have to avoid getting upset as one of those teams at the tops tends to do in the Sunbelt Tournament. The women, their schedule is... Look, it's going to be a tough go of it because they're the seven seed, right? And they're going to play early in this situation. They're going to take on App State. They're the late game, 7.30 on Wednesday. If they win that game, then they would move on and have to play Texas State. Now, they'd play Texas State on Thursday. Here's the thing for Gary Broadhead's team. They went to San Marcos and beat Texas State. Now, they were able to take away one of their best scorers and eliminate you know eliminate them from any contention, held her to four points. Now, they weren't able to do it the second time around inside the Cajun Dome. But once again... The bracket kind of sets up a little well for the Raging Cajun women to go on a run, too. Yeah, it's really favorable, in my opinion, because the only team, and even I say that that outmatched you was James Madison. They still only lost the game by six on the road, so it's not even that. But James Madison would be the team I wouldn't have wanted to play if you had to pick one. 
They're on the other side of the bracket. The, uh, the second team that I wouldn't have wanted to play is Troy for a couple of reasons. One, you lost. You just seem to have some bad some bad luck with Troy. You lost on a terrible call once this year. Oh, you lost that on call a close, was awful. Awful on a close call. I'm, I, you know, that was that was one thing. But also, Troy's been Troy's like the big dog of the Sun Belt Women's Conference. And although they really stumbled down the stretch, you get the feeling sometimes teams like that really wake up when it gets to conference tournament time because they've been there before and they know what they're doing. So those would be the two teams I wouldn't have wanted to play, and they're both on the other side of the bracket. On your side, look, App State's a team they handled on the road. So the first-round matchup, you know, clearly you have an advantage. We'll see if they play well enough to win that game in the first round. And then, as you mentioned, Texas State and Southern Miss. That'd be Friday night, Texas State. You'd play Texas State. Yeah, Texas State and Southern Miss would be the other two on your side, and you matched up pretty well against them. You lost close games or you beat them, like when you played those teams. So I think they match up pretty well. I The only the biggest problem, I think, for the women, I think they win a game or two in this tournament, but you mentioned what UL, the, what the UL men's team ran into last year. You're trying to win four games within, what, six days, I think, this year. You get an extra day of rest with the way they drew it up. Um so maybe that I don't I don't see them being able to do that um, running the table and getting to that fourth game. I just don't see them having enough gas in the tank. But I do like the way their draw sets up. I think it's favorable compared to what it could have been. I agree. I agree. We'll see what happens in Pensacola. Of course, we'll be there covering it all for you, as we always do here at the game. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. What impressed you the most about the Cajuns' four-game sweep of BYU on the baseball diamond this past weekend? That's what we're asking. 48% of you say their ability to close out close games. 38% say the timely hitting. 14% says other, and 0% says starting pitching. JPK, the OD, says definitely closing out the games. No matter what the sport, the great teams close out the tight games in the late innings, final period, last lap, fourth quarter, etc., Hashtag not my scenes. Ralph says four game sweep in baseball is tough. So all of the above, but what an eloquently worded question, seamlessly incorporating the field shape within the framework. Hashtag two degrees. Hashtag sweep. Wow. Just read that was their first four game sweep since 1996. And the nice thing about playing by BYU, just like working at Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby, you'll be off on Sundays. <laughs> and Todd says, honestly, didn't get to pay any attention to Cajuns baseball this series. Looking forward to seeing them this season, though. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Keep leaving your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids, and we'll share it w- with all of you on the air throughout today's show. Hour number one in the books, hour number two coming up right here on the game. Oh, yeah. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. 
Busy, busy weekend in the world of sports crossover season. Where do we begin? Well, for the Raging Cajuns, the men's basketball team, they had a strong second half on Friday night in the regular season finale against South Alabama, which is what you'd like to see. They clinched the number two seed for the conference tournament, and they do have a favorable draw. Now, once again, you have to play your best basketball and have to win three games in three days to win the conference tournament and get to the NCAA tournament. So still plenty of work to do, but I do like their draw for Pensacola. The women's basketball team, meanwhile, loses a heartbreaker in overtime against Southern Miss. Gary Broadhead's team enters conference tournament on the three-game losing skid. That said, their style of play where they grind it out is kind of favorable in a conference tournament format. They'll take on App State Wednesday night as the Raging Cajun women are the seven seed. And if they win, then they'll advance to take on number two seed Texas State Friday night there at the Pensacola Bay Center. While the basketball teams wrapped up their regular season, softball earned themselves a split in the LSU crossover. Both the them and LSU both defeated Texas A&M Corpus Christi twice in the tournament, and then they split with each other. Cajuns won the first game in Baton Rouge on Saturday. LSU returned the favor on Sunday. Raging Cajun softball program will get back at it tonight when they welcome in Ole Miss to Lampson Park. Ole Miss, well, they're coming off a good appearance over in Lake Charles in the Cowgirl Classic number 2, where Ole Miss lost to Stephen F. Austin on day one of the tournament, but then was able to beat McNeese not once but twice. So quality opponent for the Raging Cajuns as Ole Miss, who we thought was maybe a little down. Well, you know, they dropped down to six and five after that loss to Stephen F. Austin, then turned it around and beat McNeese not once but twice. The McNeese Cowboys, meanwhile, they were able to get a series win on the road as they took two or three. They're gearing up for the Raging Cajuns on tomorrow. That should be a heck of a ball game. Raging Cajuns at McNeese at the Joe will be there for that as well tomorrow night. Raging Cajun baseball team, well, they won not one, not two, not three, but four games from BYU, took the sweep from the Cougars, did so with a combination of great pitching, some timely hitting, and just the ability to be able to close out games. And now they've begun the season winning their first two series, taking two or three on the road at Rice and then taking all four at home against a BYU team BYU team that split a four-game series to open the, the year against Louisiana Tech, an NCAA regional team a year ago. Still early, but you got a lot. You got to love what you see from Matt Deggs' team early on, and that leads us to our poll question of the day. What impressed you the most about the Cajuns' four-game sweep of BYU on the baseball diamond? Right now, 48% of you say closing out close games. Keep those votes coming. Keep your comments coming, leaving them on Facebook and Twitter as well. And, of course, a busy weekend for LSU, just like it was for the Cajuns and the Cowboys and Cowgirls. LSU men... After snapping the 14-game losing skid against Vandy, 
They turn around and lose to Ole Miss, who had fired their coach the day before. Now they're firmly in 14th place in the standings for the SEC men's standings. <laughs> Woo, struggle bus. The women had their hands full for a little while, but Angel Reese double-double. She ties Sylvia Fowles' regular season record for most double-doubles in a season with 27. The LSU women, they also tie the regular season mark for most wins in a regular season. That ties them with the 2004-2005 women's team that went on to the Final Four. And the baseball team, well, you know what? Yeah, they dropped the game to Iowa. Hawkeyes got fired up on that Saturday at the Round Rock Classic. But credit LSU, they took care of K-State. Then they took care of Sam Houston. They take two of three, and then they get geared up for a trip to take on the Texas Longhorns tomorrow night in Austin. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, Reynolds, to the show. Brother, good morning to you, bud. Thank you for waiting. What's on your mind, man? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Beautiful. My grandbaby, my grandson, and today's another beautiful day. Cages one, sweat four. There you go, bud. Spending time with the grandkids, that's even better, man. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what. I I don't know. I'm a big baseball purist. And I'm a stat guy. And in football or basketball, whatever, but mainly basketball, uh, football and baseball, numbers don't lie. And I'm really impressed with this year's baseball team. I don't, I don't, I don't think people realize how difficult it is to win a three-game sweep, let alone a four-game sweep, of a quality opponent who won 30-plus games last year. Did uh, BYO, BYU make it to the um, – uh, uh, They were not a regional the team. NCAA, the playoffs last year? They were not a regional team, Ronald. Not last okay. year. But they were a quality team. They won 30-plus games. Uh, they had a winning record. They played quality opponents. So I was very pleased that they were able to really uh, – you know, the first game, what, 2-1 to one, – uh, pitching was there. Uh, I didn't really like that two two run jack in the last game in the ninth inning. But you know what? On any given day in baseball, a pitcher can get hot and shut you out. A team can get hot with their bats. I mean, look at LSU. LSU on paper is a better team than Iowa. But Iowa brought their A game that day and beat them. So I was very impressed and. I don't know about you, I want to get your opinion on this, but I see if they're playing like they are right now and they keep this focus, I think they could win 40-plus games this year. I know it's a small sample size right now. I really think they could win 40-plus if they keep focused and play like they are right now. What do you think? Reynold, I appreciate the phone call, brother. Dalton and I will answer that, man. Be safe out there today, bud. Thank you. Y'all have a blessed day. There could be a 40-win team. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities for, for this team, Dawson. I think, look, last year they, they were slow to start, right? They had, they had a tough non-conference schedule, but they were slow to start, and they caught fire late. Now you have all those guys that have gone through the ringer. A lot of these guys went through the season, the COVID season, the, la- the first season without Robe. They've been through the ringer. They've been with Degs now. They understand exactly what he expects of them, 
what he expects of them to do not only as players, but also how to motivate their teammates. This feels like a very confident bunch. I don't think a 40-win season is I, – I, I'd be surprised if they didn't win 40 games. I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, the reason I would say that is because – Man wants us to temper our expectations. Oh, look, I mean, you know, like the foot rejoin says, I'm not telling you what you want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen. But anyway. So, okay, so you're telling no, us I'm, that no, I'm, no, they're no, going to no. – Oh, no, okay, no, okay, no, okay, no. okay. I was just trying to reference the rejoin. It's okay. <laughs> not everything's 100% either way. Um, no, there's, there's, they, they definitely have a chance to. The reason I would hold off on saying they will is because of how deep the Sun Belt now is and how, how many good teams are in this conference. Like we've, we've kind of talked about it a little bit before. This is a conference that now expects to get at least three to four teams in, hopefully has the idea of getting five or six teams in the regionals. I mean, it's not your classic one, maybe two-bid league that the Sun Belt was for so long. So winning series and, and picking up wins throughout the year is going to be more difficult. It's definitely possible because the way the non-conference schedule sets up, you got a really tough one against Campbell this weekend, but you've got some really winnable series after this. You should pick up two and three wins per weekend, um, and especially when you throw in midweek games. It's it's definitely in the realm of possibility. The questions I have is still the depth of the pitching rotation, and we saw a little bit of those concerns on Sunday, or Saturday, I should say, the last game of the series. Um, now, most of the damage given up was by Neza, and the guys who came in pitched pretty well, but... I need to see more from the depth of the rotation and the and the bullpen as a whole before I'm exci- you know before I'm going to go say yeah they're going to win 40 games. I think the lineup has every ability to score runs and do enough to win 40 games, no doubt about it. I think not only do they have a lineup, look, they've got probably 10 or 11 guys that Dex feels really good about. Zambo has kind of inserted himself as a guy. He's going to be in the lineup every day until further notice. Um, you know, you've had a guy like C.J. Willis, who's been a utility player in the past, swinging the bat really well to start the year. He looks like he's going to be playing second base for now. Um, you know, Marshock at third base. Matt Deggs continues to just take his best outfielders and put them at third base, and that works for some reason. He did it with Tyler Robertson last year. Marshock, I mean, he made an amazing jumping play to win the game yesterday, uh, which if he doesn't make that catch, then the tying runs on second base for BYU. So, He's been really good defensively. The defense as a whole has been really good. They haven't committed a bunch of errors. So they've done a ton of things really well. Again, I just need to see more depth in the pitching staff. And once I see that, then, yeah, we can talk about 40 wins. So they're 6-1 and one right now, and they got 50 games left. So it's not impossible. And when I look at the schedule, look, I've said this before. I think the regular season championship for the Sun Belt is going to come down to the last series of the last weekend between UL and Southern Miss in Hattiesburg. Now, a lot could happen in between there, then and now, right? I understand that. A lot of different things could happen. Injuries could happen to, to both teams or someone could get hot. But, look, I... If you ask me what the team feels like their their ceiling is, I think we both can agree that this team is confident that they can win 40 games, right? I think they think they're going to win every game they play. Right. That matters. That matters. I, I. It's a fair point to say, look, I think this is at least a 30-win team. I think they have the potential to be a 40-win team if they can figure out the pitching. Because that's still the big thing, right? We know this team can rake, but it comes down to can this team 
get the pitching it needs, right? And look, you got Campbell, then you got, you know, you, you have the trip to McNeese tomorrow night. Cowboys were able to win their series over the weekend, but they've had a sluggish start to the season. They're still trying to find out things as well. That's a midweek game. Midweek games are kind of weird in a lot of ways. So you always got to figure that out. So it's at McNeese, then a three-game set against Campbell, and then McNeese back at the Teague a week from Wednesday. And then there's High Point, High Point University, which let's get excited, High Point University. The Mississippi State game is interesting to me. That's the Hancock-Whitney Classic, which they're playing down in Biloxi where the Shuckers play, the AA team. That's allegedly a neutral site game. <laughs> I love any time the Cajuns play Mississippi State, it's on allegedly a neutral site. Football they played in the Superdome, eh, not really neutral. <laughs> and now they're playing this baseball game, and it's in Biloxi? Okay, Yes, it's near the coast. That's not necessarily close for the Cajuns. You're still playing. It's just like, I don't know. I don't know what's the mindset of the athletic director for Mississippi State. But it's just like, okay, Cajuns, yeah, we'll play you. But we're not going to play you anywhere near Lafayette, Louisiana. Well, we're agreeing to it, I guess. And then the other thing, yeah, you mentioned that. It's not like this is a one-off game. Like for football, it it made sense because it was – you know, it was a neutral whatever. Football's different. You don't schedule teams like that at home very often, although I wish they'd find a way to. But they played Mississippi State. What was it, like a little two-game midweek series at yeah. Mississippi State at their place a couple years ago? So there seems to be no uh, trip back, at least not yet. Maybe we'll, maybe next year the no, uh, Bulldogs will come over here. No, no trip back. Instead, we're, we've, we're making up a classic. Just making up a uh, the, the Hancock-Whitney classic. Sh- sure. It's a random game to play on a Wednesday in Biloxi, of all places. I have nothing against Biloxi, by the way. just like to point those out. I love Biloxi, actually. Shout out to Biloxi. Keep those phone calls coming. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 doesn't play around when it comes to his personal life. I got one NFL team, I got one college team, I got one Major League Baseball team. And the big fella's also monogamous when it comes to his sports fandom. That's what I got my merch for, that's who I support, period. Call me old-fashioned. VN. Call me old-fashioned, that's fine. I'll be old-fashioned. RP3 is just committed to providing you with great sports talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana. Sports Station. Oh, how about Damian Lillard? My man went off for 71 points last night. It, they've not done a great job there. They they had built a little something in Portland, right? When he had, they had him and McCollum and had a couple other pieces, but 
Well, it just it just feels like a one man show there now, and, and and Dame's just out there just doing what he does. <laughs> he's he's loyal to the Trailblazers. You love to see it, but it sure does feel like it's going to be a waste of a career there in Portland. I hate to be that way, but drops seventy one last night in a win over the Rockets, eighth highest scoring total in NBA history greatness on display for Dame Lillard had to make sure to mention that because anytime you drop 71 that's that's what we call uh that's impressive we're just gonna say it's impressive you know who doesn't have anyone on the roster that can drop 71 on a night the New Orleans Pelicans now they at one time this season were atop the Western Conference standings they actually were the top seed at one time. And it, that happened not once but twice early in the season. Well, they've been on the struggle bus. You know, obviously Zion being out hurts them. Brandon Ingram is back now and you thought, okay, well, this will be something that, that'll go well. But this team has lost its identity. They've forgotten how to play defense. I don't know what happened to the team's defense. I have no idea. I understand being clunky on offense without Zion there. I get that. And obviously, you'd like a better performance than what they showed on Saturday when they lost to the Knicks 128-106, to 106, where Ingram scored 19 points on 7 of 22 shooting. That's not what we call efficient Valachunas, 12 and 10. Richardson continues to play well for them. He gave them 16 points. They literally played everyone on the bench in this game. Everyone. Trey Murphy is still coming off the bench. Did Is this a move that Willie Green believes helps his team, Dawson, or did, 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 did Trey make someone mad? I have questions. Now, not, not to say that he was playing great beforehand, but all of a sudden now he's a bench player. What's the what's the philosophy there, you believe? I, I don't know. I don't know if we've seen enough out of the All-Star break to have an idea of, of what their kind of fundamental decisions were because they played a pretty short roster in the first game out of the All-Star break. So Correct. I'm not sure. It definitely feels like this team's kind of lost any sense of identity that they had established early on, which is weird because they had so firmly established it. I mean, that's why they were at the top of the Western Conference. They were, uh, you know, a pretty high-flying offensive team that still played really hard defense, especially when they needed to, and they didn't feel like they had any glaring weaknesses. So to have it all kind of crash the way it did is not only surprising, but it's really just something that, I don't think anyone saw coming. And now the, the the crazy thing about it all is if they don't get it fixed, which we'll see a Zion update whenever it comes, I, I don't know if he's going to play again in the regular season. And if he does, I'm not sure how soon it'll be. But If they don't get it fixed, they're not making the play-in tournament. Right. That's my point. Like the Lakers, look, I mean, I made fun of them a lot this season, and they're, they're back. Like they're playing really well. They just mm-hmm. had a big comeback against Dallas and – they beat Luka and Kyrie uh, on a crazy comeback win. So 
they're right in the mix. And like after all this, you know, all these jokes the Pelicans fans made about the Lakers, and look, I was a part of it, like with the picks and stuff, like you might end up not even using your pick swap this year. So it's it's gone downhill in a hurry, and I'm not sure. We'll see. You know, tonight's kind of a big one. We we, we you don't want to overstress the importance of any game, but you've you've got to win some games in a hurry. And we mentioned it. You, you're not going to just be able to beat up on bottom feeders. That's not a how the NBA is kind of set up. There's not that many of them at all in the league overall. There's only four or five teams that are pretty bad anyway. And specifically in the Western Conference, there's really only two. So. You're going to have to beat some pretty decent teams, and we'll find out. We'll see what they have. But Willie Green, for everything, you know, all the praise he was getting early on, which I think was rightfully so, he struggled to make some adjustments clearly here. Um, and how much you put on him and how much you put on the players, you know, that's up for debate. But I think Willie Green certainly needs to uh, he needs to figure some things out, and this team needs to play better, and, and they need to play better right now. Like, there's no more kind of we'll see what happens when they get this guy back, that guy back. Like, there's 21 games left. Yeah, and, and Zion, there's no that's no like we'll we'll see what happens when we get Zion back. You don't know if you're getting him back, you so you know. better figure it out without him. And for that matter, you don't know how durable and reliable Zion's going to be moving forward. You know, I'm at that point now. It's disappointing to say, but like it's like Michael Thomas now. Like if we get him back, great. If not, we got to figure things out. You know what I mean? So we'll, we'll see what happens. It to for the positive for them is that the Western Conference is still an absolute logjam, right? So even with them coming out the All-Star break losing both games and they have not been playing well of late, they're, they are 4-6 and six in their last 10. They're riding a three-game losing skid. The, the Timberwolves are in the same boat as they are, and Minnesota's right above them, right? So Minnesota has been struggling, right? They've lost three straight. They've, they're 4-6 and six in their last 10. They're right there with them they have one more win and also one more loss than the pelicans that's why they're at nine and the pelicans are at 10 the problem for the pellies is they're just they're not playing good basketball it's one thing to lose games it's another thing to look bad while doing it and they look bad playing basketball right now while the trailblazers who are half game behind them in the standings are five and five in their last 10. They're playing better basketball. The Lakers, as you mentioned, they're a full game behind the Pelicans, but they made moves at the trade deadline and they're playing better basketball. They're six and four in their last 10. You even have to be concerned maybe about the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are four and six in their last 10. They've lost three straight just like the Pels, but they're going to be in the mix. So, for me, it, it feels like the Pelicans have 21 games left. And they're going to be battling out because I think Golden State's going to continue to improve. I think Utah is going to continue to improve. So for Dawson, for me, it's going to come down to the two last spots in the play-in tournament. That's what it looks like where the Pels are headed. And they're going to be battling the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, Portland Trailblazers, Lakers, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's going to be five teams battling it out for the final two spots. Yeah, I, I, again, I mean, that's the weird thing, though, is if you rattle, like, if you figure things out here, which I wouldn't be shocked if they figure something out soon. But they've been playing bad basketball for like a month and a no, half. No, I get it, but they played really good basketball for a month and a half at the beginning of the year. I, I so, know. That was a long time ago, though. My point is, I'm not saying they will, but if they do, which, again, I, I'm not saying is likely, but I wouldn't be shocked if they figure things out. If you figure things out and you win like five, six games in a row, you're literally going to put yourself at like number six. So, Correct. as bad as it's been, 
like you mentioned, this is a weird year. I mean, I really can't remember an NBA season. And look, for the record, I'll say it now, I hate the play-in tournament. I absolutely despise the fact that 20 out of 30 teams in the NBA are involved in the postseason. I think the postseason should be earned and not given. You and I are on the same page. But you, from the NBA's perspective, they're going to enjoy what's going to happen down the stretch here because you're going to have teams in a furious race to try to get out of the playing tournament, the ones that want to be in the top six, and then you're going to have a furious race of teams trying to get into it at the last two spots. So it's going to be exciting in the NBA down the stretch, and the Pelicans still have everything they, they, they want to accomplish in front of them. They just have, they've got to play way better, and it's not just one thing. They have to play better as a whole. Here's their next eight games. We'll wrap it up with this before we hit the timeout. Orlando's tonight. You got to win that, right? The Magic are, are, are a mess. One of the, one of the wor- worst teams in the East. But after that, Dawson, it's at Portland, at Golden State, at Sacramento, back home against the Mavericks, then against the Oklahoma City Thunder, then against the Trailblazers, and then against the Lakers before you play the back-to-back games against the Rockets who are fighting off the Spurs as the worst team in the West. That's a brutal eight-game stretch. We're going to learn a lot more about this team and if they're built for the postseason in the next nine games after the – well, the eight games after tonight's game against Orlando. So, we'll see. We'll see if Willie Green and the Pelicans can turn things around and get things back on track because right now it looks like they're going in the opposite direction. we got to take a timeout. When we return, Jeff Palermo – from Tiger Ag Radio will join us talking all things LSU. That's next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The LSU baseball team takes two of three at the Round Rock Classic. The men's basketball team inexplicably loses to Ole Miss. And the women's basketball team wraps up the number two seed with a win on senior night against Mississippi State. To recap it all for us is our good friend from Tiger Rag Radio, Jeff Palermo. Jeff, good morning to you, bud. How you doing, my friend? Doing well, Raymond. How about yourself? I'm doing great, bud. All right, let's get right to it. Let's start with the games that you were actually calling on the air for LSU, and that, of course, was the three games at the Round Rock Classic uh, there over in Texas. Now, they take care of business against K-State. They get roughed up a little bit by Iowa, then bounce back with a win against Sam Houston State. What are your big takeaways from what you saw on the call this past weekend in Texas? Well, I would say, I guess, you know, the Friday game against Kansas State, uh, Paul Skeens looked good again after uh, you know, struggling in the first inning, able to get through that first inning uh, despite uh, some control issues, especially getting 
first pitch, uh, getting the first pitch over for a strike, kept falling behind hitters. But once he settled down, he was fantastic again. And then eventually LSU, uh, once they got into the K-State bullpen, they, they really roughed up the Wildcats and won that game. Uh, obviously a, a little alarming when you see the score, what happened on Saturday. Um, you know, I, I think what LSU kind of found out on that day is that you're going to get every team's best shot. And if you're not executing yourselves, uh, you're, you're going to find yourself uh, in a battle. And Iowa did a lot of good things in that game early on. They executed a double steal. There was a bunt that was put down that, that worked out really well. Uh, LSU had chances in that first inning after they fell behind three to nothing. They had the bases loaded, nobody out. And Brody Brecht, Iowa star pitcher, who uh, is going to be a 2024 Major League Baseball draft prospect who throws 100 miles an hour, he's able to wiggle out of that first inning without giving up any runs. Uh, Trey Morgan was not in that game. I think they, they missed him in that spot. You know, when they had the bases loaded and nobody out, his his at-bat would have came around at that time. And not having him in the lineup, I, I think it it would have, having a veteran bat like that at that point, I think uh, not to say that would have changed the game entirely uh, because LSU just, you know, didn't have it. Riley Cooper didn't necessarily have it. But who knows? Maybe that game is a little different. And then you got to love how they responded yesterday. Um you know, after after losing to Iowa, they come out. Braden Joe Bear gets them the two run homer in the first. They score five more in the second. So I, I think more times than not, there's going to be games where LSU just mashes the ball, like they did on Sunday. And there are going to be a few games, Raymond, that are going to kind of transpire on Saturday. LSU doesn't execute as well as they should. They let some opportunities get by. The other team takes advantage of of their opportunities. And they're going to end up losing. Not saying they're going to lose 12 to 4 in a lot of games, but uh, they're going to have games like that on Saturday. But you, you got to like how they responded the next day and just put that game out of reach right away. I mean, it was 10 to nothing after three innings, and that just shows you how um, prolific or how prolific this offense can be uh, and how they can just blow other teams out uh, pretty quickly. And I think you'll see some games like that as well. What do we expect to see from a marquee midweek game this week when they are staying in Texas to go play the Longhorns on Tuesday night? Well, I think the team's going to be fired up to play that game. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's uh, a really fun little midweek matchup. Um, it's going to be a huge crowd. Um, I think um, it, it should be a good game. Thatcher Hurd, I would imagine, is going to get the start. He didn't pitch at all this weekend, and he pitched last Tuesday against Southern. Let's see if you can get a better start out of him this time around than you did uh, last week against the Jaguars. So I, I think this team, just being around it for the few days that I had the chance to be around it, they, they want to be tested. They, they know how talented they are. Um, I think they're gonna, they'll be up for that game. Um, not to say that they weren't up for the Iowa game, but that for, for Iowa, a team that uh, is a you know, borderline NCAA tournament team, that that was a big RPI game for them, and, and that was a kind of a game when you open the door for them and you you give them a little momentum. They just kind of took it and ran with it. 
Uh, and I think LSU will be, they'll be fired up to play uh, Tuesday uh, in what should be a, a really interesting midweek game on, uh, uh, tomorrow night. Let's stay on the diamond. Obviously, you were covering baseball, but softball program had the crossover with UL, and they were able to split that series. Cajuns took a game in Baton Rouge on Saturday. Uh, Beth Trina's team then turned around and returned the favor by taking a game at Lampson Park yesterday. Uh, what do you make of what you've seen? I know it's early from the LSU softball team. Well, that was a pretty crushing loss, I thought, on Saturday. I mean, I you know just kind of following along with it, um, you know, it seemed like LSU was in control of that game, and then to to allow the Cajuns to come back on their home field and win the game. I know um, UL center fielder made a heck of a catch into the wall that was a you know Sports Center top ten kind of play that seemed like that kind of changed uh, a little bit of the, the momentum in that game. Uh, but, again, I think uh, sometimes it's good to see how teams respond the next day. And Coach Beth Tarina's team responded the next day. Ali Kaponen, who's uh, been there for a while now for LSU, uh, gives them a good start, and the Tigers get a win. Um, they, uh, it, it, for, from LSU's perspective, it always, it always hurts a little more when they lose to the Cajuns. They, 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 I mean, that's a, it's a great rivalry. Um, it's a... And it's one where the LSU fan base, uh, that's the one, that's a game that uh, they did not want to see LSU drop. And you, you lose that game, but you turn around the next day and you win. And again, I think it, that's, uh, that's a sign of at least um, the, the team getting, getting in a little bit of a get tested and, and see how they respond to it. So far, their schedule has been pretty soft. I mean, I think probably UL Lafayette's the toughest team. Well, I shouldn't say that. They've had Utah in there. Uh, and they played them well, and Central Arkansas has got a good team as well. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's pretty early. I think you got to wait and see really uh, what LSU softball does in conference. But it, it's a big season for Beth Tarina. Uh, last year did not go very well for this team. Um, the the roster is a little smaller this year. Uh, maybe that might be a little bit more helpful. I think they're a little bit more talented. And uh, so far they just got one loss on the year. Talking with Jeff Palermo, Tiger Rag Radio. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, let's shift over to the men's basketball team. And uh, whew, yeah, they they finally snapped the 14 game losing skid last week against a, a pretty good Vanderbilt team that was trying to play itself into tournament consideration. And you know, KJ Williams has a career night, 35 points. Everything's gravy. And they go on the road and they take on one of the other worst teams in the conference who had just fired their coach, and that game wasn't even close, Jeff. wasn't even close. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And maybe Ole Miss gets a little bit of juice playing for their fired coach. I, I don't know. I mean, it's. It, I, I guess K.J. Williams can't score 35 points every game because maybe that's the kind of effort that you need in order for them to win. Not only 35 from him, but Adam Miller gave him 18 in that win. Uh, against Vanderbilt, um, if those two guys are not having huge nights, LSU really doesn't have a chance because they don't have another guy that can really step up and give you a big game. Um, so if those two guys are not playing at a really high level and being very productive scoring the ball, Tigers just don't really have much of a chance. And then you know, defensively, too, I mean, you're allowing Ole Miss to score 80-some kind of points. What was it, 82 or something like that? Uh, yeah, that's not going to really give you a chance. Um, 
I guess the good news here, Raymond, there's one more week left to go in this regular season. There's probably just three or four games left, four at the most, and then you just kind of move on and see what what Matt McMahon can do for next season. Moving on already. Wrap it up with this, bud. The women's program, they took down Mississippi State on – Sunday there uh, inside the PMAX Senior Night, Angel Reese ties Sylvia Fowles' record for most double-doubles in a regular season. They also tie the mark for most regular season wins of 27, set by the 0405 team that went to the Final Four. Uh, just give me your big takeaways. How do you feel about this team as they head to Greenville for the women's basketball tournament as the two-seed? Well, I'm glad that they're healthy this year. Remember, Alexis Morris was not healthy going into the SEC tournament. They didn't have her. They ended, LSU ended up losing in the quarterfinals. Also interested to hear, I guess we'll hear a little bit more from Kim Mulkey this week. What's her attitude going into this SEC tournament? Because over in the Big 12, you play the tournament. The, the, the tournament is the weekend. Their conference tournament is the weekend before the NCAA tournament. And so she never really put much stock in the Big 12 tournament. Well, here with the SEC tournament, you actually get a weekend off before the SEC tur- before the NCAA tournament. So you can really get up and, and, and try to go and, and win as many games in, in, in the SEC tournament and not worry about tying yourself out for the NCAA tournament. So let's see if she takes a little bit of a different approach here uh, in that. And I'm not saying that they didn't try to to win but she didn't put a lot of importance on winning last year and and she was public in in letting everyone know about that and maybe it was just to kind of soften it because she knew she didn't have alexis morris who got hurt uh a couple games before the uh, start of the sec tournament so you got angel reese you got alexis morris those two are both healthy um let's I, I would just love to see him get matched up again with South Carolina in the championship game. I, I would really like to see that. Just again, uh, l- l- let's take another uh, measuring stick of where they're at. Okay, we, we saw what happened uh, Super Bowl Sunday. They weren't ready to, to stay in the same ballpark with them. You get them again, what do they learn from it? Are they, are they able to compete with them a little bit uh, closer? Could give them a little bit more of a scare. Um It'll be a neutral side game, even though it's being played in South Carolina. So I, I, I would really like to see that match. I would like to see this team to try to keep winning. I think they're securely planted at the number two spot in the NCAA tournament. So even if they did lose on Friday, which I don't think they would, will, I think they at least win one game in the SEC tournament. And again, uh, if you know Kim Mulkey probably also recognizes her team is is a little bit tired. They've, they've pretty much just gone with eight players all season long for the most part and played them their minutes, and maybe she doesn't want to see him go three games. I, I don't, don't want to say he doesn't want to see him go three games, but um, you know, I, 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 hope, I hope this team goes in there with a little bit of a different attitude, and I think they should. They're healthy. They're ready to go. Let's see if we can't get another rematch of LSU South Carolina and see where the Lady Tigers are, where they stack up against uh, the top team in the country. Jeff, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy the rest of your day, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Raymond. Sounds good. Thanks. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team at Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Poll question of the day. What impressed you the most about the Cajuns' four-game sweep of BYU on the baseball diamond? 52% of you say their ability to close out games, close games. 30% say timely hitting. 12% say other. 6% say the starting pitching. John Paul, Cajun Daddy says, baseball will be the spot most impacted by NILs. Think about this. A high school pitcher drafted in the the fifth round has a choice to make more money playing at a school in the SEC or even a Sunbelt. Will cause a greater collection of talent to the southern U.S. You know, I've heard that floated around before. We don't have time to dive into that today, but it is a topic I want to earmark for a later date because it is intriguing. Salty Steve says a sweep is a sweep. I don't care who it is against. Should be a formidable team in the fun belt for million colored glasses for everyone. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep leaving your comments. On Facebook and Twitter, just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Hour number two is done. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Danny Broussard, the STM coaching legend. That's next, right here on The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything. Everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Our uh, final hour of today's show has arrived. We're going to preview the Sunbelt Conference Tournament about a half an hour from right now. But right now, we're going to start things off with a man who, you know what, starts teaching them young. Saw him the other night at the Cajun Dome, had the grandbaby with him, exposing them to the game of basketball. He was sitting there coaching them up while he sat there with Kevin Foote and I along media row. It's a man who's won more than 1,000 games. I have to use two hands to count the amount of championships he's won our good friend Danny Broussard coach good morning to you brother how are you I'm doing great Raymond I had a great week great week great off week I say off you know that's funny because some people say oh yeah you ought to off week I said off Lord Almighty no it wasn't an off week but anyway uh trying to get ready for the playoffs Raymond and I tell you it's uh, uh this division one is no joke it's no joke and, and that's where I want to start off because you guys got yeah. the number two seed in the Division One Select playoff bracket, you received a first-round bye. You're going to be taking on number 15, Edna Carr, in the second round here. They defeated Brother Martin 64-61 in the opening round. You know, when I look at this bracket, obviously Scotlandville's the one-seed coach. St. Aug is in this bracket. Southwood, Holy Cross, Huntington, Catholic of Baton Rouge, Pineville, there's some big boys in this bracket. What do you make of the quality of depth of the playoff field? Yeah, well, Raymond, that's that's the difference uh, in, in this year. The, the fact that 
you know, you're looking at a car team, and, and you look at their record, and you know, it's not even, they're at 500, you know. But I tell people, well, a couple of things, you know, got they got football guys late, and you know they play they they play a tough schedule. They're playing the better teams in New Orleans, and you know, there's a lot of good teams in New Orleans. And and they they you know they don't back down from anybody. They play good tournaments, so you know the, then they've lost some tough close games. You know, so uh, it's very it's a real tough first round matchup for us. They're very athletic. Uh, you know, Raymond, it's 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 one of those deals where uh, they don't shoot it great. But Raymond, you know how shooting is. Uh, you know that that's just uh, you never know on a given night. You know, a kid can get hot, and and you know uh, <laughs> it's just it's just it's, I'm just fearful because of the fact that. They're not a great shooting team. They they offense rebound really good, but if they are hitting outside shots, it, it could make it could make for a very interesting matchup. Let's talk a little bit about your team. You, you always you know you're talking about football players. That's always kind of something that you always have to deal with because the football program there with the Cougars is always in contention for a state championship. So you don't right. get those guys till late. Uh, it, it seems that you guys were able to make that transition pretty. Well, tell us a little bit about the DNA of this year's uh, team. That's the two seed in the bracket. Yeah, well, Raymond, you you have a good point, but it's kind of funny this year. Yeah, and we usually we had even a you know a few three to four you know football guys, but this year, uh, to be honest with you, uh, 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 Beckwith was the only kid that we uh, that you know that has come to, from football. Again, now we have some sophomores that are really good, but uh, you know not quite ready for varsity competition. So, uh, so only Beck was the only guy that we waited on, uh, and you know we were able to we were able to win a bunch of games without him. But uh, he's been a good he's been a good addition for us, you know, because he's a strong kid. He rebounds well. Uh, he's actually scored a little bit better than I anticipated. You know, we just wanted him to play defense and guard, which he does a great job of. He's very physical. Uh, so, uh, but 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 so so we really had our team intact. Uh, we started the year though. I mean, we had two that two starters anticipated starters. Um, that were injured, and so we had to play our first like five, seven, six games without them, and that's when I knew we'd be a pretty solid team because we were able to pretty, you know, compete. We only lost one game in that first uh, six or seven without them, and then when we got them back, we, you know, obviously became a stronger team with more depth. And um, you know, Raymond, that is a one a strength that we definitely have is, um, you know, we've played nine guys, uh, sometimes up to ten. I mean, we could play ten, but. Uh, you know, w- without hesitation, and I mean, I'm talking about like in critical times of the game. You know, it's kind of funny, but uh, when we do go to a certain uh, our four to score uh, offense late in games, uh, we'll put a whole different five guys in there. You know, to close that game out, we put our best free throw shooters. Uh, so, so you know, we've been able to I've been able to kind of uh, use that, kind of put a defensive team when we want to press. Uh, so, so you know, so we've got a bunch of moving parts that have really kind of bonded together and played pretty well together. I would say that uh, I would say so, Coach. You're thirty and four, <laughs> bud. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're thirty yeah, wins no. to only four losses, and uh, you, you know, district champs. I, I think you, I think you guys figured it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and and Raymond, those four losses of Madison Prep, uh, Newman, uh, Country Day, who are all, who are all seated number one. Uh, we did, have, and I say a bad loss. They're not a bad team, but. Uh, uh, Landry Walker, which I think is now just LB Landry, they changed the name. LB Landry is, I guess, if you if you have one bad loss, it would it would be that one. Although they they're not a bad team, they're, they're in the playoffs. But uh, we know that's when we maybe shouldn't have lost. But but you know how it goes in basketball. Sometimes we we look. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something. St. Martinville is gonna make a run in the in the uh, Class 4A playoffs, and uh, it took overtime for us to beat them in the Turtles tournament. You know, so uh, you know some, we pulled some out maybe that we shouldn't have won either. So uh, it's been a really good year for us, no doubt, and. Uh, Again, it's going to be a very challenging playoff in Division One. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, 
people ask me all the time, they, they, they're so confused. I said, what's, what's going on? I'm very confused. Why are y'all football division two and basketball one? And, and I had to explain to them that, you know, with the B and C school influx, with them with it not having football, and then you bring them into basketball, they, they kind of wanted to even the numbers out. So they took some division fours and put them in three, threes, two, and we were in division two, and they bumped us up to one, which, hey, again, you know what, I'm kind of I'm pumped up about it because, uh, you know, uh, that way if we do – if we are able to, to to get there and maybe win, when we still want it, it'll be against the, against the best in Louisiana. We're talking to one of the best in Louisiana basketball history, Danny Broussard, longtime coach at St. Thomas More. Uh, brother, I, I've asked you this before and I want to ask it again. I know you love what you do. You can hear it in your voice yeah. uh, anytime you talk to you. You you love the game. You absolutely right. adore basketball. Right. You've done it for so long now. You've accomplished everything that anyone would want to accomplish. Thousand win plateau, multiple state championships. What keeps you going? What what makes you want to do this year in, year out? You got grandbabies to spoil. You, you've accomplished everything that you could possibly do in a career. What keeps you going? It's uh, a great question. I, you know, I mean, when <laughs> I guess it's like somebody said, you know, man, I, I look up, I say, I get paid to do this. It's just what I love, Raymond. And you know what? I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I'm not sure I could, to be honest with you, I'm not sure I could do anything else. Some people said, oh, you'd be a great salesman. I said, yeah, I don't know about all that. I'm not sure. And maybe I could, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's, uh, God gave me the ability to, uh, and, and again, I think uh, if it all boils down to Raymond, you know, uh, I just have, uh, I just love, you know, I'm, I have a, a, a joy and love for, for kids and seeing them develop and, and grow. And, uh, you know, Raymond, I always said this. Uh, some people think that don't know me think I'm all about this for, for wins, and and that's really not me at all. To be honest with you, I mean I'm 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 a competitor. I hate losing, but the the fact remains that you know it's all it's all about kids that we that we that we coach every day and teach, and that they can become some successful citizens and do the right things and be the you know the right kind of person in our society. And there's so much going on today, and there's so many distractions that they that can be involved in. You know, we just we just try to preach about no, you know about that, about uh, growing up and being a good Christian young man. And, and that's, what we, that's what we're here for, really, to be honest with you. you know, it's all about that. You know, you found success later in your career where a lot of folks don't. <laughs> you also find a way to connect with your players. How much different is it coaching kids in 2023 as it was, say, in 1983? Uh, it's not a whole lot different. It's mostly – it's it's, it's – uh, I think it's parents that are kind of different uh, in this day and age. Um, you know, uh, you see, and, and look again. I'm I'm very blessed to be in a situation I'm at. It, it is a little different. Uh, it's kind of funny, but I've had two of my public school friends who who've come to watch the at, come watch practice and and uh, the last couple of weeks, and so they they've been in and out. And um, you know, when they leave, they they kind of shake their heads and like, yeah, I you know, like they they make comments like, well, I I get it, but and I can't do that where I'm at. You know, that you know what I'm saying they. they so it's just a different environment here. Yeah, I'm very blessed. But um, I don't know. I, I think it's, a, you know, I, I see the same thing I saw 35, 40 years ago. Kids that are, that are you know, that, that, that want to succeed and, and are driven to, to, to do the best, to be the best they can be. It's not, a, it's not a ton of difference. I just see maybe a little bit more parents um, uh, who maybe, you know, uh, zero in on their kid instead of the whole team. I think that's um, the only difference that I've kind of seen uh, lately, you know, more recently. But uh, really, uh, it's um, – uh, the kids are, are pretty much the same, Raymond. I don't, I don't see a ton of difference in them. That you know, uh, although there are a lot of you know, the social media thing is uh, taking its own, its own uh, uh, place in history, I guess. And, and it's a whole different. That's a whole different ballgame. We can talk about that. But um, but you know, the fact remains that these kids just they just want to they just want to succeed and 
and have fun and play hard. And, and that's kind of, you know, what we preach. Got to ask you, you know, what does it do for you? I've seen you outside of the gym there on campus, yeah. and I've seen you go support your players, whether it's coming to Cajun games or going over to the Cajun Prairie and, and watching your kids play on senior night for LSUE. Uh, what does it do to see your guys succeed, whether that's you know a more recent player or someone that you coached years ago like Brad Boyd or somebody like that, where they go on to have success, whether that's in coaching or just in life? Well, yeah. I mean, again, I, it's kind of what it's all about. You know, like uh, I, talked, I talked to my boy uh, Mike Monk over the weekend. He's, he's the president of the Louisiana All and Gas, and he's going to a meeting this morning in Lake Charles and giving a speech, uh, his, his, uh, his brother, um, uh, uh, let's see, not Matt, um, Spook is going to give a talk today. You know, uh, you know, I mean, again, you know, they were basketball players and, and I saw them as a you know, young kid, just eager to learn, eager to, to, to do the best he could be. And, and then, and then now you see he's, you know, he's the president of the oil and gas in Louisiana. So it, it's guys like that, you know, uh, and, and Raymond, I could go, we could, we could have a three hour show and I could talk about, I could brag about, you know, all of our kids that, that have become successful. And, uh, you know, it makes you proud as a coach to see them succeed in, in life, you know. Uh, and, yeah, and, I, and there's some really great ones. And, uh, you know, and, and again, I, I think it's kind of uh, maybe there's a direct correlation to the fact that the, the many wins I have are because, because of the guys that come to this program that, you know, that are self-driven and, uh, and, and you, you, you can see the success that, you know, it's, it's just, it's just born in them and their, their parents uh, push them and we push them and, and, uh, you know, and that, that's kind of, I guess, kind of, um, the story of St. Thomas with basketball, you know, it's way more than basketball. It's about, you know, uh, being productive. And, uh, man, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of all these guys. And like I said, I could go on and on, uh, about, about our guys that have done well. We could go on and on about you know one of your former uh, players, Brad Boyd, wearing track suits to the Cajun game. Still, all this, all these years later, my man's got style. I can't pull I that look off, hey, Danny. I can't pull that look off. Brad can. I can't do that. Right, Raymond. That's one thing I, I probably should do a better job of. Is uh, uh, they see me in a coat and tie all the time? They think you think they would uh, they would learn from me, huh? But Raymond, you know that is something I want to ask you this because because you've been around the game a long time. What? what how did COVID? How did COVID destroy the dress code of coaches across the country? I know. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Everyone got relaxed and realized they could work in their sweatpants. <laughs> and it, it, it's just not basketball coaches. They're coaches. It's, it's everyone. All right. I, you know what? I, I know you're geared up. I know you're focused on taking on Edna Carr tomorrow night there on campus. Yeah. Tip set for 630. And, and want to wish you best of luck with that. But I have an idea for you, brother, if you're open to it. Are you ready? I'm always open. Go ahead. All right. You know, multiple state championships, got all those wins. You're known as a high-energy guy. I have your after-coaching enterprise. You should create or at least give your likeness in your name to some sort of energy drink because there's no one on the face of the planet that's got more energy than Danny Broussard. So you got to take advantage of that, brother. Get with someone. Hook it up. Put your name and your face on an energy drink, and those things will sell off the shelves here in Acadiana. <laughs> I have to give my I have to give my Smith boys at Acadiana Bowling who 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 I use their uh, sun drink. Hey, I tell you what, now you try this sun kiss grape. Have ever tried that? I just I just found out about this about two years ago. Sunkiss great, man. It's pre, it's a pretty darn good drink, and uh, it's one of my favorites now, along with Sunkiss. Uh, so anyway, yeah, maybe I'll get with them and see if we can come up with something. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, coach. It's a good idea. It's a, it's a, it's a million dollar idea out of a nickel head. So take advantage of it, my friend. 
brother. Hey, Raymond, if I, if I do do it, you'll be my manager. <laughs> <laughs> brother, appreciate your time as always. Coach, best of luck. Right. Big man. You bet. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and Company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, welcome back to RP3 and Company. We're less than 10 minutes away from Noah Frary joining us to help us preview the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Both the women and the men will get some great perspective there. That's coming up. Excited about that. Do have open phone lines right here if you'd like to get your thoughts in after a busy, busy weekend. Game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Raging Cajun men locked up the two seed after a sound performance against South Alabama. They had a good second half of basketball as they took down the hottest team in the Sunbelt Conference, and I like their draw. I do. I know they have Marshall on their side. I get it. I understand thundering herd are tough, but I like their draw. I like it far better than I do Southern Miss, who has to play probably South Alabama and and, and JMU. No, thank you. No, thank you. The women, meanwhile, will head to Pensacola a little bit earlier. The men got the double bye, which means they won't play until Saturday night. The women have to play Wednesday night versus App State. They're the seven seed. I like their chances against App State. They won on the road there in Boone, North Carolina. And then you know what? I kind of like their chances against Texas State. I know Texas State's the two seed. I understand that. But this is a Raging Cajun women's basketball team that went on the road and beat them in San Marcos and took away their best score. Now that best score got hers on the return trip. But it's not impossible for Gary Broadhead's team. And their team, the way they play, especially when they're executing their defense, they're a tough team to beat. They're a tournament type of team, right? They're built for that kind of atmosphere. The baseball team for the Raging Cajuns, meanwhile, got themselves a sweep of BYU, took all four games. That's our poll question of the day. What's the thing that's most impressive from their sweep? What do you what stands out to you most of all? Is it the starting pitching? Was it the timely hitting? Was it the ability of closing out close games? Or was it something else? 49% of you say closing out close games. 30% say the timely hitting. 13% say other and 8% say the starting pitching. Keep those votes coming. Keep those thoughts coming. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter and we'll share them throughout the rest of today's show. Baseball team gets the sweep over BYU. You know what? The softball team did good as well. 
Yes, they would have liked to beat LSU not once but twice, but they got the split. They took the other two games against Texas A&M Corpus Christi and the LSU crossover. They beat LSU in Baton Rouge on Saturday. They dropped the game yesterday, which was disappointing for sure, but now they get another chance to kind of cap off their weekend as they have this game against Ole Miss tonight at Lamson Park, 5:30 first pitch. And Ole Miss may be better than we thought because they beat McNeese not once but twice at the Cowgirl Classic number two over the weekend in Lake Chuck. LSU, baseball team takes two or three at the Round Rock Classic. Trey Morgan didn't play in the game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes, yeah, they easily took down the number one ranked team in the country. But they bounced back, defeated Sam Houston State to take two or three at the Round Rock Classic. They're going to stay in Texas as they're taking on the University of Texas, the Longhorns, that's right, Hook'em Horns, the fighting Danny Joneses, as I like to call them, tomorrow night there in Austin. Two perennial, traditional powerhouses duking it out in a midweek game. I love that, by the way. LSU men's basketball team, well, just go ahead and give them a big old woof. What more can be said? Just woof. Like, what are you doing, man? Seriously. They finally snapped the 14-game streak last week against Vanderbilt. They're going on the road to take on an Ole Miss team that is a dumpster fire. Ole Miss fires their coach, and it's the classic thing. Dawson and I were talking about it earlier. You see this all the time in sports. Fire the coach. Interim coach takes over, wins a game. We see it a lot more in football than we do in basketball, but sure enough, that's exactly what happened, and that game wasn't even as close as the final score suggested. Tigers are now firmly all by themselves in 14th place in the standings with two games to go in the regular season. Looks like they're headed to being the 14th seed for the SEC tournament in Nashville. The women... Meanwhile, well, you know what? They took care of business Sunday night. Senior night inside the PMAC. Standing room only crowd there in BR. Boy, man. It's great when the PMAC is like that. It just is. Kim Mulkey's done a great job. Way ahead of schedule in year number two. As they end up tying the program record for most wins in a regular season with 27. And Angel Reese tied Sylvia Fowles' program record for most double-doubles in a regular season with her 27th double-double as well. The last time the team won 27 games in a season was 2004-2005 when they went to the Final Four. They go to Greenville, South Carolina as the number two seed for the SEC Women's Tournament, which begins play this week. Busy weekend for the Cajuns. Busy weekend for LSU. It was also a busy weekend, of course, for McNeese. Baseball team, which, by the way, will be hosting the Louisiana Raging Cajuns tomorrow night. They're at the Joe. I'll be there. Hannah Five Names will be there doing stuff for social media. That's right. We're going to be covering the heck out of that ball game. After starting off the season, dropping two or three to Creighton and then losing a midweek game to Sam Houston, they bounced back by taking the first two games of their series at UTA. They dropped the third game, 
But they still won the series to try to get right Justin Hill's team. They're now improved to 3-4 and four overall. Once again, they'll be hosting the Louisiana Raging Cajuns tomorrow night there at the Joe. We talked about the softball team already. They're 10-5. and five. They're gearing up for a midweek game this week against Grambling. The Calgary Classic number two. They won their two games against Stephen F. Austin. They lost their two games to Ole Miss, 8-2, to 7-2. to two. Ole Miss and UL will face off at Lamson Park tonight. So, not the end of the world for the softball team. They're still a top 40 ranked team. I think Ole Miss may be a little bit better than we anticipated, right? We thought they were a little bit down. Maybe they're actually not as bad or as down as we anticipated the Rebels being. And then for McNeese, it all comes down to basketball. The season is wrapping up. The men's basketball team finds itself right now on the outside looking in. One game left, that's it. They lost to Southeastern by three. Heck of an effort. Couldn't get it done, though, on Saturday. And now they have one game left against UNO Wednesday night, 7.30 tip. And we'll see if things can fall right for the McNeese Cowboys to get into the Southland Conference Tournament, which is going to be held there at the Legacy Center. Got to take a timeout. When we return here, we'll get a preview of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Noah Freire joins us next to help preview that, both women and men. That's coming up right here on RP3 and Company. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Sunbelt Conference Tournament will be tipping off this week in Pensacola there at the Pensacola Bay Center. To talk about that, to help give us some insight, is a man who's a play-by-play broadcaster for the Sun Belt as well as the ACC Network. He's also a host of the Frary and Smith podcast. Noah Frary joins us. Now, Noah, good morning, brother. Thank you for making the time. How are you, bud? Yeah, absolutely. I had to get up a little early for this, being on the East Coast, uh, but certainly excited to uh, talk some Sun Belt hoops with you. We appreciate you uh, for making the time, bud. All right, so... When I look at these two brackets, both the men and the women, I'm going to be honest with you, it feels pretty wide open. And we know in recent years, some of the top seeds typically don't even advance to the championship round, particularly on the men's side. Let's start there with the men. What stands out to you about how the bracket is constructed for the men? 
Yeah, you know, I think on the men's side, uh, things are set up really well for Southern Miss again. Um, you know, they, they did their work during the regular season. They earned that top seed. Um, but they have to potentially, you know, face a really hot South Alabama team in the quarterfinals to even get to a matchup against, you know, maybe a James Madison in the semifinals. But I, I like Southern Miss at the top part of the bracket. And then, you know, I think Louisiana's playing some excellent basketball. I know your listeners like to hear that. Um, but – you know, they're going to have to face either a Georgia Southern or a ULM team. And, you know, I think you took the words out of my mouth, uh, really, for both of these brackets right now. It feels wide open. I mean, going into the final day of the regular season on the women's side, we had a chance at a five-way tie for first. We ended up getting a three-way tie for first on the men's side. We had a chance at a three-way tie for first. So there's so much parity in the league this year. There's so many good teams. And I'm not even sure I'm willing to go out on a limb yet and predict who I think could get to the championship game. Because really, this year has been so unpredictable, and I expect the tournament to be uh, very much the same. On the men's side, we've seen Louisiana look like the best team in the conference. We've seen Southern Miss look like the best team in the conference. Those two teams split their season series. We've seen Marshall, at times, look like the best team as well. Uh, But yet, we've seen Marshall also lose to UL. We also saw Marshall lose in the regular season finale. We have also seen the Cajuns lose to Coastal Carolina and Troy so it it, it seems kind of crazy to to look at this of the you know you liked you said you like Southern Miss you like the Cajuns give me somebody who's not the two top seeds that you like on the men's side yeah on the men's side you know I really felt like uh Old Dominion was making a great charge at the end of the year um you know like I said I mean if you look at the if you look at the schedule and the way that South Alabama has been playing down the stretch I think that they have a real chance to make some noise maybe pull off an upset in this tournament so it's not going to surprise me if someone that plays on that second day Thursday March 2nd in that second round has a legitimate chance of getting to the championship game we really just have not seen one of those top four teams separate themselves yet. Um, you know, I think the odds on right now is I would love personally to see a Southern Miss Louisiana rematch in the final. We saw what that was like during the regular season, 8,000 fans for that game uh, in Hattiesburg and, you know, selfishly. And I think the Sunbelt would love to see a matchup like that and maybe pack out that civic center. It, it would be a lot of fun. So, to me, the tournament's wide open, uh, but I think really any of these teams, they've shown the ability to beat the top dogs this year. So I think that there's a real chance that we might see uh, a seed between, you know, five and ten get into the championship game. So it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun at Pensacola. Well, no, and, and we've seen that in recent years, right? We've seen Texas yeah. State win the regular season title back-to-back years and uh, get eliminated in, in yeah. uh, early in their tournament run, we saw the Cajuns make a run last year as a lower seed. You know, Dawson and I have talked about this before, is that the last month of the season saw a group of teams, I would mention Troy, South Alabama, and Old Dominion, really kind of play their way up and close the gap between them and the likes of Marshall, UL, and Southern Miss. Of that group of the, the that mid tier group, those got those teams seated five through say eight. Who do you like the most to, to make a run? Really like South Alabama. Uh, obviously, if they can get past App State in the second round, they would have a, a, a game against Southern Miss. But uh, they've played really well. And then you know, second to me, Old Dominion has just been really hot. 
Um, so I think those are the two teams that I'd be watching out for in this tournament. Um, but like I said, things can go anyway. And I think you made a great point about just some of the history. It is kind of the age old question of, you know, those top four teams don't have to play until next Saturday. So they get a week off and that's supposed to be an advantage. But man, when you get to Pensacola and you haven't played in that environment before and you get a game or two under your belt, uh, to me, that's a little bit of an advantage. Uh, so that's something that those top teams are going to have to overcome. And in years past, we've seen those top teams not be able to overcome that. Uh, so certainly something to keep an eye out on the men's side. You know, you mentioned Southern Miss. I, I agree with you. It does. I would love nothing more to see Southern Miss and UL battle it out in the, in the championship round. And we get a third game between those two teams. And they're old school rivals from decades ago as well. So there's some built-in animosity there with the fan bases. And I think that would be great for the Civic Center, because the crowds have been, at times the last couple of years that I've gone, they've struggled a little bit um, because of, of the teams that are playing. I think that would be a marquee matchup. You Look at the Golden Eagles. What makes them so good, in your opinion? Yeah, man, the Golden Eagles, they are just, you know, probably one of the better stories in college basketball. I mean, definitely the Sun Belt, but in college basketball as a whole. And I, I really think for them, it's their, you know, ability to have multiple scoring threats. I mean, you look at a guy like Felipe Haas and DeAndre Pinckney and Austin Crowley all averaging over 13 points a game and then, you know, some very solid role players. Uh, and this is a team that, you know, to some extent, you know, they'll tell you they expected to be in this spot. But I think for the rest of us on the outside looking in, they're playing with some house money. And, man, have they been so good this year. They've been fearless. They, you know, that, that Southern Miss fan base has been behind them. They've been tough to beat at home. Uh, they're just a really good basketball team. I mean, they're 15-0 and at home. That's, that's not easy to do. Um, and now, now it comes down to can that translate to tournament time? Um, and that's what we will all wait to see. But I think Southern Miss has to be considered the favorite going in. They're the number one seed for a reason. And uh, they've taken some punches this year and counterpunched in a big way. So Southern Miss looks really good. And uh, they're going to be a tough team to beat. But uh, they're not unbeatable, as, as, been, as has been proven multiple times this year. What stands out to you about the Raging Cajuns, Bob Marlin's team? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're such a fun team to watch. I, I mean, you look at the high-level talent uh, on that team, and, you know, they've, they've been so good all year long, uh, just consistent. Uh, there's been some tough losses, but, I mean, again, you, you play a South Alabama in the final game of the regular season, one of the hotter teams, and you handle them. Um, they've just been able to take punches and continue to come back. They've got high-level talent, and to me, uh, that's what matters at this time of year. Uh, and, and I think the experience on that Louisiana team, I mean, the top two scorers are, are a little bit older, and I think experience is going to be uh, is going to be huge come tournament time. We're talking with Noah Frary. He's a play-by-play broadcaster for the Sun Belt and the ACC Network. He's also host of the Frary and Smith podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's switch over to the women because it feels even more wide open than the men do. I mean – you have three teams that finished the regular season 13 and 5 in conference play. You have three more that finished at 12 and 6 in conference play. Five of those six teams overall won at least 20 games. Two of them are riding five game winning streaks heading into the tournament. Who do you like on the women's side, man? Yeah, let's just go ahead and say it's been a banner year for Sunbelt women's basketball, and I'll be calling this uh, alongside former uh, Notre Dame standout Kelly Dayo and really excited about that. But Man, you talked about the parity on the men's side. The parity on the women's side is crazy. I mean, like I said, going into the final day of the regular season, you had a chance at a five-way tie for first. 
Uh, I really, you know, again, you know, picking on a number one seed here, James Madison's had an interesting story this year. They're one of the best mid-major teams in the country early on in the year. They went through a streak of the season where they just couldn't win a basketball game, but they've really figured some things out. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of down on Troy right now. Troy, um, you know, they obviously have this dynamic offense, but they've shown that they haven't been able to play defense lately, which is interesting uh, considering that that team has been able to do that in the past. South Alabama beats them in the final game of the regular season. Southern Miss has been red hot, uh, and they're definitely going to be among the favorites in this tournament. Texas State looked really good. And then, you know, you go a step further back, again, Old Dominion looks really good. Georgia Southern's been playing some great basketball, and they have one of the best elevators in this tournament in Taryn Ward, who is going to be in the conversation for the player of the year, which is going to be announced later on today. But, um, yeah, there's so many teams in this tournament. And, and don't even, you know, sleep on a team like Arkansas State who's going to play on that first day. They have some of the best pure scoring talent in this tournament. So it feels, again, like on the women's side, I'm sitting here and I've spent the last two weeks getting prepared for this tournament. And and, and none of these teams, in my mind, have really separated themselves. Uh, I think this is going to be the most fun Sunbelt tournament that we have had in years on the women's side. And it's going to create some must-see television. We'll get you out of here with this, Noah. I know you do your research. Obviously, we cover the Raging Cajuns. Uh, you know, they had an injury to their best scorer before the start of the season. Brandy Williams was out, didn't play a single minute. They still were able to grind out a 16-14 and 14 overall mark, and they were in the mix for a top-four seed until the three-game skid at the end. Is Gary Broadhead's team a dangerous team to face off in this bracket? You know, I think the answer to that question is yes. I mean, we, we spoke with Gary via Zoom uh, late last week, and, you know, he always wants to talk about his defense. And the age-old saying goes, defense wins championships. And his teams have shown the ability to play high-level basketball uh, at these tournaments year in and year out, and it's because they rely on defense. Now, he was candid and said, I don't know if we can fully rely on our defense this year. We might need to get more scoring. And, you know, on that call, he almost broke down in tears talking about that injury to Brandy Williams. She was a player that they were really excited to get back. She had worked back and then gets re-injured uh, in the preseason. But uh, they've still got some high-level scoring. Lene Wheaton, uh, Tamara Johnson, you know, down in the post has been really good this year. So they've got the pieces uh, to make a run. But, Again, you've got to beat App State in the first round. That's doable. And then your reward for that is playing Texas State, who has arguably uh, been one of the best teams in the conference this year and has some of the best high-level talent of anyone super experienced. So I think Louisiana has a chance. Any team that plays as good a defense as Gary Broadhead squad does have a chance. Uh, but because of where they're at in the brackets, it, it's going to be really challenging to, to get back deeper into this bracket, uh, but certainly optimistic and, like I said, I really feel like any of these teams, you know, all the way down to maybe 11th, and even if what South Alabama did at the end of the regular season beating a, a top-four team says anything, this tournament is wide open and, again, is going to be well worth uh, coming to Pensacola or watching on your television over the next week. Noah, this was great. Can't wait to meet you in person this coming weekend over in Pensacola. Maybe we'll have a chance. We'll go to McGuire's, grab one of those burgers, brother. Hey, I grew up down in uh, down in Pensacola. McGuire's one of my favorite restaurants. I will tell you, if you go to Pensacola, go to McGuire's, get the Reuben egg rolls, uh, and tell them Noah sent you because you will not uh, be disappointed. But, yeah, thanks for uh, having me on this morning and certainly look forward to a lot of fun Sunbelt basketball in the next week. 
This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 grew up dreaming of one day playing right field for the Atlanta Braves, just like his hero, Dale Murphy. I wanted to grow up and be Dale Murphy. Little Raymond, though, wasn't quite the caliber of athlete of his childhood hero as his lone highlights as a ball player were being beamed twice in the head. That actually explains a lot. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest, Southwest Louisiana's, Louisiana's sports station. Ah, uh, final results of the poll question of the day. What impressed you the most about the Raging Cajuns' four-game sweep of BYU on the baseball diamond? 53% of you say closing out close games. 28% say the timely hitting. 11% of you say other. 8% say starting pitching. Mr. Green says, I thought closing games out was nice. They've struggled with that at times in recent memory. Can't wait to introduce my friend Xavier to baseball at a game this season. I just, I just think it's going to be a special season for the Raging Cajuns. Look, they, look, is it ambitious to say they could win 40 games? Maybe. I, I think this is a team that could win 35 games, and you're not that far off. I think if they figure out the pitching, they could do some real damage. And what's funny about that is that this team could probably win 35 games and still not win the regular season title because Southern Miss is in the conference. You're going to see at least four, maybe even five teams out of this conference, I think, make it to a regional this year. That's how good this conference is, is, has become in baseball. Thanks to all who voted on the poll question of the day. Thank you for that. Thank you for making us part of your morning. I want to take a moment to thank our guest, Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio, Danny Broussard, STM coaching legend, and the man from the Sun Belt Conference and ACC Network. He's going to be on the call for the women's games in Pensacola. Noah Frary joining us. That was great. Got great insight there. It is wide open. It is going to be a wide open tournament on the women and the men. I could see six to seven different teams on the women's side win the whole thing. I could see four or five teams on the men's side win the whole thing. Completely wide open, which means it's going to make some for some great theater there in Pensacola. Bud, great job today. Let's give it up. Let's give it up to D'Lo. Great show, huh? Ah, first show of the week. Send the tone, bud. Send the tone. Nice job by you. Working on that. <laughs> you also got to work on reeling me in because, well, I can get messy at times. You did a great job of that today. Yeah, speaking of which, we got to go. <laughs> we got to go. For the producer, Dawson Iserlow, I'm Raymond the III. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.